How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoley. Shoots, he scores! Some swagger. Yeah, this is it. This is what we do. Battling through it and finding a way. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Okay, so the LA Kings, as always, still a roller coaster. They never let us have just a chill week where everything goes right. I mean, I guess they also never have things where it's just bad all the way through, which is nice. But we exist somewhere in the middle where there are huge lows and then great highs. They've only played three games since we last recorded, and yet it feels like all three of those games were kind of epic in their own way. Oh, yeah. So much happened in all of them for both good and bad and frustrating. Um, and so it feel it feels like there's been, like, five games that have been played with how <laughs> yeah. much, like, your emotions have just, like, taken a toll. Like, it's taken a toll on your emotions, so... Uh, but it, unfortunately, it started with like a devastating loss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and lucky for me, like I w- did not watch that St. Louis I game. Did not either. Um, and it was one of those things where like it started before I was near a TV, and then when I went to be like, oh, maybe I should check out what's going on. They were already down a few goals, so I was like, all right, never mind. <laughs> I'll catch y'all <laughs> later. Maybe you'll pull it out. And then it turned out that that didn't happen at all, and I was very glad I didn't watch it. So um, a huge epic loss. Um, and kind of like defying our predictions that we made when we were on the All the King's Men podcast, where we said that they would play up to their more competitive opponents. They did against the Washington Capitals and then completely bombed it <laughs> against the St. Louis Blues. And on the flip side, we were a little wary of the divisional games. And both of those, like even though one of them they technically lost, like they still got three out of four points, which is pretty dope. Yeah, that... That part was fun. Ugh, that game was a whole other thing. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, we really mixed up our our predictions for them. So that doesn't feel good because usually they kind of prove us right in at least right. in those respects. So now I'm just like, who are you, team? I don't know what to expect. Now I'm even more worried because I can't even sort of like generally predict things. So yeah, it's kind of frustrating. I guess at the very least, like, if they're going to lose games this late, because ideally you don't want them to lose any down the stretch, but if they're going to lose games, it's probably, you know, it's better that they lose them against people who are not in their division or in their conference in the case of the Capitals. But on the flip side, they have thus far taken almost as many points as possible from divisional um, rivals, which is great because they need those and it means that those teams cannot make them up later, even though, like, the Canucks and Arizona are particularly, like, they're not, a threat to the Kings, really. It's still good that they don't basically waste those points either. Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad that at least, well, with the Vancouver game, that was lovely. So from, and that's exactly the kind of bounce back game that you would want um, there to be after like a 7-2 loss to immediately go back and then have a 3-0 shutout win. It made me feel good because sometimes things will happen like that and then they'll just like lose by maybe like, 2-1 2-1 or something like that and it feels even more frustrating because you're like ah, they really can't get it together so it was nice yeah. to be like okay maybe that St. Louis game was kind of a fluke um, and it was funny because like it wasn't like any St. Louis player was particularly hot at the time like I think it was like seven different players scored so it was just mm-hmm. kind of 
sloppy play all around by the Kings. Um, but it was nice to see them kind of like regroup themselves and win it for uh, against Vancouver. Yeah, totally. You know, you know, a shutout is always great because it just feels more commanding too. And then also, I think that is was special for like Jonathan Quick, who went through a period where he was kind of rough on the ice there. So for him to have a moment of like, I have this under control, um, is really great. Um, and then the game against Arizona was a little. I mean. As we are used to, it feels like games against the Coyotes are always very strange for the Kings for some reason. And this one was no different in the sense that, A, the Coyotes have been playing better lately, but still, like, they were able to really take it to the Kings in a way that just didn't make any sense for most of that game, basically until the third period. And then the Kings, you know, came back to tie it, um, almost won in overtime, but then there was a goalie interference controversy because nobody knows what that is anymore <laughs> um, and then they eventually lost in the shootout but yeah it was just strange in only a way that Coyotes games can be <laughs> yeah that was kind of crazy that it wasn't until the third period when and you said the Kings but honestly it's more specifically Jeff Carter was right, like, right. wait guys wake up why are we losing to the <laughs> to Arizona this makes zero sense whatsoever uh but don't worry, I see what's happening, let me take care of it, and he scores two goals to tie it up. So thank you <laughs> very this. much, Jeff Carter. <laughs> yeah, it's. I am so thankful for Jeff Carter. As I tweeted, I would trust Jeff Carter to save my life. <laughs> and I was glad that several people sort of understood where I was coming from <laughs> with that sentiment. <laughs> He's just so reliable and so good and I feel good watching him so it's great when he is able to do something like that and really help give the Kings a chance to I mean you know and they ended up getting a point out of a game where it seemed like maybe they would get nothing yep and this isn't the only game and uh, see I really worried that like after almost a full season of not playing that he would need so much time to adjust to like the way the Kings were playing and maybe like where they were in the season and how like their mindset was. And he slotted in just fine. So like in the last nine games that he's played, he has eight points, six goals Mm -hmm. and two assists. That is magnificent. Yes. Oh, I love it. I am so excited to see him. Like I was feeling the same way you were basically. I was like, maybe it'll take some time to adjust. Uh, but luckily he's, you know, back in there producing and it's so fun to watch him still. So I'm glad that he didn't really have a huge setback. It didn't take him very long at all to get acclimated again. And that is amazing. And you can still kind of tell that the people that he plays with get a little bit of a jump from that. Um, and so all around, it just means more fun for us. <laughs> Kopitar has been playing like exceptionally well. Um, not that he hasn't been playing well all season, but in those same nine games where Jeff Carter has been back, he's had three goals and nine assists. So oh, he man. also feels fantastic about dishing assists and dishing goals to Jeff Carter to score. I mean, it has to feel nice not to constantly have to be the one who's double shifted or something like that. Yeah. And to not be relied on so heavily for offense. I mean, obviously other guys have like had pretty good seasons, but Andre Kopitar is the guy for the Kings. So, and then, you know, Jeff Carter's really close, like right there with him for the most part. So when you lose that piece, it's like, oh, I guess I'm going to just take everybody on my back now (laughs) and really try to make stuff happen. So it must be nice to him to feel a little looser, know that there's somebody else out there um, who can – 
produce and inspire other guys to produce as well. So it just frees Andre Kopitar up to nearly tie his career high, which I was so excited about. Yeah, that's he's five points away from tying his career high in points. We have, what, like 14 or some odd games left in this season? Yes. Something like yes. that? Yes. Uh, totally do doable. Yeah. He's probably going to exceed that, and that is amazing. I am so excited. You know what's insane, though, is that Andre Kopitar can, will do that and still, <laughs> I mean, I wonder if he'll be, be a finalist for the Hart Trophy. I feel like he should be, but I don't know if he will be because this season has had some serious breakouts in terms of contributions right. from players around the league. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll get a few votes thrown in there, but I don't necessarily think that he will win. Uh, but I think he'll be acknowledged. And he's winning in my heart. He has yeah. my heart. My heart. Diane's heart trophy is definitely <laughs> yeah. his for for as long as he would like it. <laughs> um, yeah, it I would love all his. I would love to see him at least get the nomination because I feel like he deserves it. He's like you said, he's had a amazing ba- bounce back season and it's like he didn't even just bounce back like he is about to exceed his best so that is insane and I would love to see him get some recognition for that um, even like you said I don't expect him to win it but it would be great if he just got the nod I mean if he wants to score six goals um, then he'll tie his the like his highest goal scoring year oh do it all oh, so he's yay. like he's like totally close to so many different uh, things that he could exceed. Just, like, lots of goals and lots of assists and just break all your own personal records. I think that's great. That's right. what, what a lovely 2018 for you and the rest of us. Yeah, so what we're saying is we want Andre Kopitar to get on Trevor Lewis's level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Defeat all your personal bests and just, ha- <laughs> and just like, live your best life. Have your gr- the best season ever. <laughs> um, Dustin Brown also having an amazing season for yep. him. Uh, you noted that he has scored 20 goals for the first time since 2011-12. And I will just, I can't resist mentioning because I feel like, not that people forget necessarily, but it's something that is not talked about in conjunction so much. But when the Kings won the Cup, Andre Kopitar and Dustin Brown had done the same amount of scoring in that playoff run. So, and I think because Dustin Brown had lackluster seasons, not the one after that, the shortened season he was really good in, but after that shortened season, he he fell off. People forget like how integral Dustin Brown was to the Kings' overall success in terms of uh, appearing on the score sheet. And so it is fabulous to have him scoring 20 goals again and contributing in that way and it just feels like oh I've missed you Dustin but he's back now he's back I mean 20 goals 26 assists for 46 points like the last I don't know five seasons I mean last uh, season he did like pretty all right but the last few seasons before that they were like 30 point seasons not his best and here he is sitting at a cool 46 um and there's more games to be played, and he seems to have more fire in him. So I can't yeah. see like the scoring uh, to dry up at all. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. Me too. So yes, good feelings. Even though the Kings, in terms of games, love to terrify us frequently, it has been awesome still to see the success of individual players and how people are 
you know, either bouncing back or exceeding their bests. It's, I don't know, there's a lot that has been fun, even though there, there have been things that have been frustrating about this season. There's plenty that just makes me really happy to think about also. Um, I liked the thing that I saw online somewhere where someone was like, oh, well, you know, 2012, it, or this season is like the 2011-2012 season where we uh, got Jeff Carter partway through the season snuck in as the eighth seed and then, you know, did cool things in the playoffs. Oh, my God. Don't even get my hopes up. I like know. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh, no, but what if? <laughs> like, it was both delightful and scandalous to even uh, yeah. imagine it. But I can't even – Ugh, I feel like the path to get to the Stanley Cup would be so difficult. And yet, I mean, I, obviously I would feel extremely satisfied if they pulled it out, but, like, this – feels like this, a year where the Western Conference is going to be pretty tough. Yeah. And once that's, like, if they were to make it through that gauntlet, it's like, oh, the East has been having a fucking phenomenal year, too. So, right. Like, the teams that would uh, likely make it are, like, you either face, like, Tampa, or, you know, like, they're, it's pretty formidable all the way through, which I feel like hasn't necessarily been true in all of the recent playoff seasons or playoff series. But yeah, this this feels like it could be a pretty good playoffs for the for the NHL. Yeah, it's like, do you make it out of the West against Nashville, and then do you right. then have to face like the Tampa Bay Lightning? It's all bad. Oh, nuts! Oh man! Oh, I'm excited about the playoffs. <laughs> all of a right? I know it's because like sometimes you're just like, even if the Kings don't make the playoffs, or even if they do, I suppose sometimes the playoff matchups or like the the teams just look kind of boring right. or everything is really samey, but you know, I think things have shaken up a little bit or there are like new exciting players and you want to see how they do and how they perform in the, in the playoffs. So I think this playoff um, year is going to be really exciting. Exactly. Um, I guess really quickly speaking of, well, not necessarily the playoffs, but just end of season things in general. So the Kings gave Mike Fuda permission to, go after the Carolina Hurricanes GM job because apparently they need a GM now because um, what is that dude's name? Ron, Ron Francis. Francis? Yeah. yeah. Because Ron Francis decided he's not the GM, but he's going to stay president of hockey ops or something, whatever they're restructuring over there. They need a GM now. Um, but Mike Fuda has respectfully withdrawn his name, but that doesn't mean he necessarily will for sure stay with the Kings. He just didn't want to have that interfere with their race to the playoffs. And then uh, if they make the playoffs, that run, which I thought was really loyal and nice of him. But also, I'm terrified of him leaving. I know. See, that's the thing. I was like, oh, well, that's really nice. But he's been with the Kings for so long. Like, I could only... Also... The Carolina Hurricanes, are, I don't think, are a team that you're going to be like, oh, I will, you know, forget my old team. Let's just go ahead and try this. Like, yeah. that's probably, like, a good move. And once the season ends, you know, there's every year there's always, you know, restructuring all across the league. So there could be a better team or maybe a team he would like more to go um, be the GM for, uh, which is fine. I mean, I'll hate it, but he deserves nice things. Yeah, I would be happy for him, but also, I, don't, I guess I just especially have such a fondness for him because I know how integral he was in finding players like Tyler Toffoli and Tanner Pearson, who were not super high draft picks, but ended up being really key pieces to this Kings team. Like, he's he's been so good at finding useful players with lower picks and things like that. 
which is amazing. And then, of course, you know, everybody's kind of wary of the unknown. So who do you put in his place? (laughs) Um, But I think wherever he goes, whether I mean, obviously, likely not Carolina now because they're doing their thing. But like Seattle's going to need a GM. Yep. Not too far in the future. If he ends up somewhere else. Yeah, it'll, it'll make it exciting. I'm, like, trying to imagine. Like, what if Seattle has a crazy season uh, like Las Vegas is oh having? Oh, my goodness. And it's, like, Mac, or Mike Fuda, you know, at the helm, and I'm just, like, upset about it. Because, like, you're feel, ours. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. I feel already, like, preemptively a little bad for Seattle if they don't have, like, a stellar season. Right. <laughs> like, Vegas has ruined it for the next team. <laughs> That's true. Like, and, and because they're doing it, like, one by one. Like, when it was, like, all, like you know, a six-team expansion or whatever. It's like, yeah. okay, even well. two. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, everyone does their own thing. It's different. But Vegas really had, like, a shining example. Like, all right, you wanted it. You raised the money. Here you go. Here's your team. Oh, oh, you really did want that. And you're doing very well now. Uh, good job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, they have a lot to live up to. But hopefully things go well and people are excited. I'm still excited about the concept of a Seattle team, but man, it is going to be rough for them coming into the league if they don't, they don't even have to, like, Vegas has gone above and beyond. They don't even have to do that. They just have to be successful. They have to win stuff. Um, it's it's yeah. kind of crazy because, like, Vegas also started their season in the wake of the Vegas shootings and had to deal with that and handled it, like, really nicely. Like, I straight up bawled during the, the, like, whole tribute that they had because it was, like, very touching when they Mm -hmm. uh, honored all of the, um, like, the first responders and the nurses and the doctors and and things like that. Um, And then to, like, have the whole, like, Vegas strong thing and, like, having to, like, immediately been thrown into that and then have such a great season is so lovely. And... Um, I mean, I'm obviously done feeling happy for them in general because they're doing too well um, right. <laughs> in our division. But, you know, like, as a, as a narrative story, Eric, it's it's very nice. Uh, right. So Seattle, if they just come in and flop, it's like, well, that's a, that's a team's not, like, wasted, but, you know, they could have done better. Yeah, it's just they're, Vegas is just going to be a very hard act to follow. So I don't envy Seattle trying to live up to that challenge. But I am excited to see what they do with the team and who they who they pull. And if they do get manage to get someone like Mike Fuda, like I think it'll be great for them because I think he's really good. Uh, but yeah, it, I was just thinking about that. Like, it, whew, it's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> Back to a Kings player really quick. And actually, this sort of ties into just Vegas in general. But um, Jack Campbell, obviously, recently got his first NHL win in that game against Vegas on February 27th. Uh, Fun fact, that was actually his first NHL start since 2013. Um, And he, the... Kings did this whole piece about basically his journey to the NHL and how he's feeling after that win. And he was super honest, which I appreciated. He had this quote about before that game, like when he was backing up Darcy Kemper while Jonathan Quick was out with an injury, they the Kings played Dallas and they won that game, I believe, 3-0 was a shutout, something like that. Um, anyway, his quote about it was, he says, quote, I can honestly say I've moved past my past and that I'm over it. I've always been so ashamed of not being up here in the NHL a lot sooner. I moved past it. Everybody has their own journey. But that being said, when we play them, I want to beat them so bad. End quote. I just loved how he was like, 
just keeping it so real. <laughs> like, it's, su- it's such an earnest and honest answer that it's very refreshing because it doesn't sound like it's just some sort of um, sound bite. Right, uh, yeah. Especially when he's just like, I want to beat them so bad. Like, you can you can feel it, like, in his words. Um, and I, I find that really lovely and true. Yeah. And just, like, the admission that he felt some type of way, basically, about yeah. having to go that long without being in the NHL and what went down there. And it, it felt to me, like, he, he even goes on to say, like, he loves seeing the guys who he became friends with there, like, when he when he's back in that city. But So it's not, like, any real animosity for the organization. It's just, like, clearly he's still working through his feelings <laughs> about what happened in his life. Um, and so he just enjoys a solid win against his old organization. <laughs> and, and I really respect him being so honest about it. Yeah, that's really nice. That's fun. The interesting thing, too, is that then he went on to talk more about his past and the way that he kind of had to adjust his thinking and some of his struggle and possibly, I guess, what contributed to making it so hard for him to really establish himself at the pro level initially was that he didn't really have that separation between, like, the job and himself um, to the point where he judged his own character sometimes based on whether he was successful at work. Um, He says, quote, all day, every day, it was like, I'm a good person. Obviously, I always try to be a genuinely good person and stuff, but I would view myself in the mirror as, like, if I'm a good or bad person based on if I won or lost, end quote. Um, which sounds so intense. That, and, like, it hurts my heart a little bit to have, like, your self-worth tied into whether you won or lost a game. Exactly. Like, I, it sounds so hard. And, I mean, I, I get that feeling because, I mean, I'm naturally a competitive person, and so that's part of why I never did things like play sports, because I'm also, like, an incredible sore loser. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I at get, least you know yourself. Right, yeah. But that's like the difference. Then I was like, I'm going to not put myself in these situations. So, But then to, to, rec- to find out that it becomes that intertwined for you, but still be like, this is the thing I want to pursue, it just seems incredibly difficult um, on top of it already being a difficult game to, to succeed in and get to the pro level for. So uh, I can't imagine the pressure that he put on himself back then. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. I'm glad that he's learned to separate, like, work-life balance is a thing that, you know, us normal folks talk about a lot right. in, like, less stressful jobs uh, to make sure that we separate and know that, you know, our boss yelling at us for some dumb thing or whatever um, isn't the same as us being, like, a dumb person or exactly. whatever. A, a failure at work is not a, equate a failure of you as a person. Like, you're still a good friend or a good, like, significant other. And it, it, it kind of upsets me that there was a time that, um, you know, let's say his team's poor defense made him feel bad about himself later that right. night. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, I, like, I, I understand that, like, it's a psychological thing and he's over it now and so on and so forth. But I'm like, oh, that's so rough. And it makes me want to give him a hug. Yeah, no, it made me feel very hurt for him (laughs) in retrospect. But the good news is that he does feel like he has evolved and learned better habits. Um, He credits Bill Ranford and Dusty Emu um, in the Kings organization with helping him sort of both improve his game technically, get his confidence back, but also 
figure out how to separate the two a little bit more. And the kings in general, like we've talked about ourselves, how one of the things that is kind of touted as their strength is they're really good at kind of, no matter what happens, for the most part, setting it aside once a game is over. Um, And that has been really helpful for them in their deep playoff runs and stuff like that. So he says that that's something that he learned about them. And also he just it taught him about how hard the Kings work at the, and at the same time are really supportive of each other, which just made my heart grow three sizes because I'm a big <laughs> old sap. But um, so over the last few years, the Kings have developed the kind of culture where instead of guys, for the most part, going home to wherever they're from or whatnot, the ones who can or who have settled their families in Los Angeles, and I think it encourages guys, too, to really settle here in Los Angeles. Um, They will stay over the summer and work out together and train together, or even just with other players who happen to be in Southern California. Like previously we mentioned, Nate Thompson had gotten to know guys because he is also based here, I believe. Um, Or, I don't know, maybe not in Los Angeles itself, but close enough that he trained with a lot of the Kings players. Anyway, Jack Campbell did that this past summer, I believe, or... Yeah, I think it was this past summer. And he was just talking about that experience and how he, like, had obviously trained in the offseason, but the Kings do a lot of cardio and stuff, too. And he was new to some elements of it, so he was not as quick (laughs) as some of the Kings players who've been doing it for a while now. So he has other quote where he says, I just remember I was kind of behind on the cardio this summer because it was a new thing for me being here. And I remember I was struggling to finish, and they had already finished. Kyle Clifford, Trevor Lewis, and Jake Muzzin came back in and made sure I finished, and so they did it with me. It's pretty cool, so they really showed me hard work. So I'm such a loser. (laughs) I love that so much. No, that is totally – that's so nice. (laughs) It's so (laughs) lovely, and we always like to emphasize fun and friendship – um, and that's great. And I like that everyone, uh, that everyone is friends and I like that they all help each other. I also think it's funny because there's like that video a while ago where the Kings were doing all of their, um, like off season training and stuff. And part of it was at the beach. And I can just mm-hmm. imagine Jack Campbell just being like, I'm not used to running in sand. <laughs> like, <laughs> you weird California on? people. What's happening? Yeah, now he needs to get in on their volleyball games. Come on. (laughs) Join the fray. Yeah, the Kings are, I mean, we've always kind of known that they're a tight-knit, oftentimes pretty insular group of people. But it's like little tidbits like this where it's like, oh, yeah, they're really just like, let's go back in and support our boy (laughs) because he's here and he needs company. And I love that. Oh, that's so nice. I like that everyone, like that everyone's friends. Yeah. Me too. I love friendship. It's really nice. (sighs) And the Kings apparently really good at it. Um, I think that's pretty much all that I've got for the Kings this week. It seems kind of light for the most part. Anything else about them on your mind? Uh, Nope. I think I'm good with the Kings for right now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool, then. One, I guess we can keep this whole thing short because I also really only have one other thing that I wanted to mention from outside of the Kings, which is that... Alex Ovechkin has scored his 600th goal on Tuesday, which is pretty dope. He is only the 20th player in NHL history to reach that mark, um, which also is insane considering that the NHL has been around for so many dang years. Um, He is also the fourth player to reach 600 goals in less than a thousand games. Um, That's insane. (laughs) He's reached 600 goals. 
Uh, he's fourth fastest. And so the people that are ahead of him are obviously Wayne Gretzky, uh, Lemieux, mm-hmm. and Hull. And then it's Ovechkin. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I think I, – I mean, we know this to an extent, but even like just looking at – listening to that list – those are guys who were prolific scorers, but also in a different era where goals were scored much more, I, I don't want to say easily, but quickly, much more frequently, yeah. maybe, too. So they were helped in terms of speed in that way. And, like, it's hard now to score goals. The, the NHL has tried over and over and over again to figure out ways to increase goal scoring because it becomes just more and more difficult as players get more skilled. And... Yet, Alex Ovechkin has managed this. He is insane. I love it. He's just a pure goal scorer. It is a joy to watch him score from, like, all different ways. Mm-hmm. The, uh, speaking of that, Sports Illustrated had this whole piece with um, both, like, Braden Holtby, their current starting goaltender for the Washington, Washington Capitals, and also one of their former goaltenders where they were just kind of talking about what it's like to face that shot obviously mostly in practice for them and to watch him take those shots from the end other end other end of the ice and how they've all kind of tried to study basically his shot and what he's doing and why it's so different because they're just odd as well um (laughs) and they have some interesting theories and it talks about like how sometimes they've like taken his sticks to examine them because i think they're you know a custom flex that's like ridiculous um so yeah they have a lot of ideas and i think it's worth reading just to see how deeply like other players get in their own thoughts about what could possibly make alexander ovechkin so different from everybody else i mean i would like i would take the scientific approach to it and like dissect (laughs) everything like okay is it the stick is it the stick tape is it the flex is it the material that he's using what about his skates maybe his superstitions will work for me or like you know whatever these stupid like how can i be even a fraction of a part like alex ovechkin yeah like they They've talked about, like, the flex. They've talked about how subtly he'll change the angle before he takes the shot. They'll talk about how the way he shoots, like, his weight is still planted in a different place than other players by the time the shot actually goes off. I don't know. It's in-depth and wild and fascinating and kind of hilarious just how much these people have thought about it. That's kind of great. I I like the... uh, (laughs) This sort of, like, crazed obsession with trying to figure out why he's so good. (laughs) Yeah. And yet he's still scoring so often. So nobody's truly figured it out. Yeah, exactly. He's still miles away, uh, at least in his career, just better (laughs) than everyone. Right. Exactly. Um, Something to note that's fun, though, is Patrick Laine is one goal behind Alex Ovechkin with 41 this season, which seems nuts for someone who is in his second, second season, season. <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> um that he is le- a legitimate contender to beat alexander ovechkin for the um, rocket richard trophy so now they've kind of got a little bit of a head-to-head going veteran versus not quite rookie anymore but younger player um to see who can reach 50 if either one of them does and who gets there first and then of course who has the most goals by the end of the season so that is a little bit of an interesting race to keep an eye on who are you rooting for? Um, I always root for the veterans when it comes to stuff like this. Like, if it's a veteran versus a younger dude, I always root for the veteran because people expect them to be older and worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, rooting for Ovi, but much respect to Line A. I wouldn't be mad if he won. I wouldn't be mad because he's had such a 
phenomenal two seasons, but I do also want Ovechkin uh, to reach 50 to, to one, reach 50, reach 50 first, and then just yeah. score more goals. I want him to do it all. Um, but I also loved that. So obviously, comparisons are being made to them. And uh, someone asked Ovechkin if he sees a, quote, young Ovi in line A. And his response to that was, I'm still young. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the perfect answer. The oviest answer ever. Just <laughs> being like... Who's this, like, young Ovi? I'm still young. I'm young right. Ovi. I'm scoring things. <laughs> exactly. I'm not done yet, so let's not get into it. <laughs> so I And so for it. that alone, I would root for Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> We're all in on young Ovi, yep. the real young Ovi. <laughs> well, why does this sound like I now I want, like, Jude Law to play him? Like, this is young Pope or something <laughs> like that? Young Ovi? Yes, I love it. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, so Alexander Ovechkin, that's who we're backing to pull this out by the end of the season. But it's going to be kind of fun to keep an eye on because they're both doing super well this season. Um, I feel like I was going to say something else, but it just left my mind that fast. Oh, well. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I don't actually have a no thanks for this week, but if I did, kind of my point five, no thanks, is whatever Patrick Laine is doing in terms of his beard and hair uh, situation, it's weird and I don't like it. Please I don't discontinue. like it. He looks just like so, like Finnish Amish. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's a very strange choice. I think uh, someone probably, I think someone mentioned that he looks like he decided to play hockey during his rumspringa or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, accurate. It's very true. He just happens oh, to be very man. good at it and, like, left uh, Amish country to play hockey. <laughs> I find and he's that already got such a strange face, and now he's like, let me also do this weird thing with my facial hair, and that's just too much for me. I'm not that strong of a person. Can we tone it down? That's all I ask. He's got a very, like, rectangle head. Yeah. You know, like much like Austin Matthews has kind of a square head. Exactly. Um, Patrick Lyde is very rectangular. <laughs> um, if I could, you know, choose that polygon to describe him. And the beard really doesn't help because I feel like it defines it even more. Yeah, it just makes you really think about the shape of his head. Uh, yeah, it's... It's not my favorite, so I would love for it to discontinue, but I think he's being defiant at this point, and we'll hold on to it as long as possible. Uh, so, I like that in the time that we've been sitting here, at least, but the Arizona Coyotes and the Vancouver Canucks have been eliminated from playoff contention. Oh, that's exciting. Well, good riddance. <laughs> so that is a <laughs> two points in our direction, essentially, Yeah, uh, for the Kings. But I was going to say my sort of no thanks um, is that I was really enjoying watching, I don't know if this happened, uh, uh, Taylor Hall's, like, personal point streak. Mm -hmm. But that was snapped a while ago, and I don't know if we mentioned it. I think we did talk, we talked about it a little bit. Did we talk about it breaking? Or just yeah, well, streak? Well, not specifically. I think I'd mentioned that it had just, because I think it was, like, the night that it got snapped. Oh, that's right. That we talked about it. Um, well, either but, way, I'm still kind of mad about it. <laughs> yeah, but good news for him is the Devils are now back in a playoff spot. Yes. So that's exciting. So they have to hold on to that because we're really on this 
Taylor Hall to the playoffs train. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would be so excited to see him in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Did you see that, like, gif from a game the other day? I don't know if they it was, like, a shootout or whatever, but where he was just, like, on the bench, like, not even able to look at whatever was going on. No. He's clearly got a lot of feelings about the Devils making it right now, which, understandable, but it's... I, I, I don't even know all of the context, but I just saw it come up as, like, oh, you can tell... Taylor Hall is having some emotions. Well, I like that apparently today, slash right now, 14 of the Devils' 18 skaters have recorded a point. Nice. So good for them. They Amazing. Scored, they scored eight goals against Las Vegas. Oh. Well, I especially love that. Right? <laughs> Even better. So that's nice. <laughs> Feeling good all around. All right. Well, that feels like a really happy note to end on, unless you have any parting thoughts. Uh, no. I think that is lovely for me. Yeah, that's all I got, too. We're keeping it pretty pretty uh, short this week because there's just not a ton that was going on for us. <laughs> so um, hopefully the Kings will get some more wins. I believe they play Detroit next. And yes. then I don't know who after that. Oh, the Devils. Right. The Devils. On so Saturday. might have an opportunity to see Taylor Hall ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So hopefully we, we, unfortunately, the Devils can't win that game and contribute to their playoff race because the Kings need it for theirs. Yeah, I will so. allow a first period goal. I mean, it's probable that the Kings will give up a first period goal right. Right, to the <laughs> yes. opposing team, first goal. That's what they do. We'll let Taylor Hall have that and the rest can be like Kings players scoring. Sounds I will let that happen. Ideal. Please. That's how I want it to go as well. All right, that is what we're hoping to be able to talk about the next time we record. Um, And until then, you know where to find us. We are at ThanksBud on Twitter, or you can email us, chirp at ThanksBud.com. Otherwise, be good to each other, take care of yourselves, and you will hear from us next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys.